Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. God bless you today. Grab your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Acts chapter 11, reading with verse 20. So good to see, see everybody on this Sunday morning. Next Sunday will be our first Sunday service. So it'll be Sunday night at 6 p.m., which is also our missions Sunday week. So we want to be mindful of that and be praying. This coming Saturday night at 7 p.m., we're going to have an old-fashioned prayer meeting here. Old-fashioned prayer meeting. Three people said amen. Take the altar out of the church. You don't have a church. Somebody shout an old-fashioned prayer meeting. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to go to the old-fashioned prayer meeting. We're going to be praying for our city, our region, our leaders. And uh, God's going to move in a mighty, mighty way this coming Saturday night, getting ready for a revival we're going to be having here in the near future. And so uh, we want to hear from the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me and I heard about his groaning of his precious blood atoning then I repented of my sins and won the victory oh victory in Jesus my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Shackled by heavy burden Neath the load of guilt and shame But then the hand of Jesus touched me (laughs) And now I am no longer the same Oh, He touched me Yes, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me, and There's room at the cross for you. <laughs> There's room at the cross for you. Millions have come. There's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. Clap your hands and thank Him for His mercy and His grace. Hallelujah! Thank you for saving my soul. The book of Acts chapter 11. So glad everybody's here. So good to see again Brother and Sister Barsati. And uh, she's been here for several weeks. And but he's been deputizing, traveling the country, and so glad he made his way back home. He's trying to get to a new home, which is in Southeast Asia. We're so glad they're here. Uh, good to see Brother Adam, Sister Jessica, and Sister Ava here today. So good to see you all. Would you give them a hand? We're so glad they're here today. Amen. Verse 20 says, And some of them... 
And some of them, everybody say some of them, were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians. Everybody say non-Jews. Preaching the Lord Jesus. They've been scattered across the earth. It mentions in the verse before that it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. I think that's amazing, don't you? They preached the gospel to these people and people believed and they turned to the Lord. It says, Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which was where? The church which was in Jerusalem and they sent forth Barnabas and that he should go as far as Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he, speaking of Barnabas, he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added, everybody say added, unto the Lord. This verse reminds me of the verse in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says the Lord added unto the, added unto the church daily such as should be saved. I love the church building. I do. I love the church building uh, with all of its issues we've had. I love this place. I've got spiritual connections here, things that God has done in the building. I appreciate it. But the church building is not the church. The church building has the church in it today, and that's you. Different people, different ages, uh, different ethnicities, different languages even. And uh, we have people that join us from around the world. and over 50 countries, I think that's remarkable, that join our services. Isn't that great? That download and listen to the word from here. And they're all the church. And everybody say the church. And I love the church. And it says they believed. And, and it says, um, uh, and much people was added to the Lord. Verse 25 says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. When he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. Let me word it this way. He brought him not to Jerusalem. He brought him unto Antioch. You understand in a minute. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with who? Hold on. You mean to tell me you can have a church that's not just in Jerusalem? You can have non-Jews that are church people? That's what this is saying. And the disciples were called what? Christians first In Antioch, let me word it this way. First, not in Jerusalem. Why were they called Christians first at Antioch? And um, I'd like to preach to you about, I love the church. I love the church. How many love the church? I love the church. Clap your hands and thank God for it. Amen. Everybody shout with me. I love the church. Before you're seated, turn to four or five people and say, I love you. I love you. Come on, say it and mean it and smile at them. Say, I love you. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus in his teaching, Jesus in his teaching, there, there's this verse that says in John 1, the Bible says in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Of course, verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Speaking of Jesus Christ. But there's this verse in between, verse 1 and verse 14, that says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. Who was it talking about? Jews, Jews, Hebrew people. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But it says, But as many as received Him, To them gave he power to become the sons of God. So Jesus was born a Jew, 
uh, walk with the Jews. He chose Jewish disciples, there's no doubt. But every now and then you would find people like the Seraphonician woman that come up to him and she made this great statement. She said, she said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, that was a Jewish statement because she was talking about the son of David. She was a Gentile. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he looks right at her and said, it's not meat to give children's bread to dogs. Now, Jesus would have said, I can't give what belongs to the Jews to a dog. I wonder how you'd feel. I'm out of here. Come on. Well, he called me a dog. She said, but Lord, she said, do not the dogs even get the crumbs that fall from the master's table? When he looked at this woman who said, all I need is a crumb, he said, no greater faith. And he healed that lady's daughter right there because she said, you can call me whatever you want to, but I need what you have and I know who you are and you're the master, you're the, you're the great, you are, amen. I, 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 see, I see it also when Jesus has a man that is a centurion soldier and he, says, he said to him, he said, I'm gonna come to your house and pray for him. The centurion soldier had a, had a, a soldier that needed a miracle and Jesus said, I'm coming out. He said, oh Lord, he said, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Just speak the word. Everybody say, speak the word. He said, speak the word and the soldier in my house will be healed because I'm a man of authority and under authority and I know that you can speak the word. And when he said that, he said, no greater faith, where? Than all of Israel. You have more faith than the Jews do. That's what he was saying. And he healed this Gentile as well. Along walking with him when he healed these Gentiles were 12 Jewish disciples and uh, you would have thought for a minute they would have gotten a hold of it. But when you see that the church started on the day of Pentecost, how many believe it started on the day of Pentecost? They had in one day, somebody shout, one day, 3,000 souls added to the church in one day and they were Jews from all over the world, but they were Jews. And it somehow appears to me that they were content as Jewish people to just see Jewish people saved. Oh, we're preaching the gospel. We're preaching the gospel to the Jews. We're preaching the gospel to people that are like us, circumcised, that know the law of Moses, that know who Abraham is. But I come to you today, it was never the will of God for only the Jews to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, amen. It was not the will of God to just have the Jews to receive it. Matter of fact, how many love the Holy Ghost? Do you believe there's power in the Holy Ghost? Power to walk right, walk right, power to talk right. There's power in the, in the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout the Holy Ghost. But in Acts 1.8 says that when you receive the Holy Ghost, ye shall receive power and be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Was that not what was taught? Did Simon Peter not even repeat a hint of this in Acts chapter two when they said, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them in verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Paul writes about it, of course Paul did, because he was raised in Rome, a Gentile nation, was born a Jew, was the strictest of the Pharisees, but he was a, an apostle born out of due time that was sent to get the gospel to the Gentiles because the Jewish people that were disciples weren't not doing it. And he said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power unto God, amen, unto, power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greeks. Paul had an understanding. It's not just for people like me. 
It's not just for people like I've grown up with. It's not just for the Jewish people. Oh, I seem fired up today because I am fired up today. He, he, he was saying, I love the church. And you'll find out that you would have thought Simon Peter would have gotten it. It would have got in him. So here he is, years later, preaching the gospel to Jewish people. Even it went to the half Jew in, in Acts 8. But in Acts chapter 10, something very powerful happens. There's a man that's a non-Jew. He's a leader of the Italian band. And his name is Cornelius. He is, he's not a Jewish man. He prayed to God always. And um, he gave much alms to the people, uh, he, which meant he gave money to the poor. He had, a, he, had a, he had a good heart. He was a giver. He prayed so much, so much, that he built a memorial before God. And God sent him an angel and told him, he said, uh, the Lord, the angel came to him when he was praying and said, the Lord has seen your prayer. He has, he has heard your prayer. He said, but there's more for you. He said, now send men, I want you to send somebody to Joppa and call for one Simon who lodged with Simon by the seaside. He's going to tell you what you ought to do. This man was a non-Jew, non-Christian, didn't know the fullness of the truth, was seeking God. He prayed always, gave much alms to the people, and, uh, but he didn't know the truth. And, and the angel, watch this, the angel sends for, tells him to go get the preacher. You know God knows where the preacher is? Angel knows where the truth is. Watch what happens. And the angel uh, uh, must have visited not only Cornelius, but Simon Peter is in prayer in, in, by the seaside, and he's up on top of the roof. Everybody, would you for a minute get on the top of the roof with me? Oh, it's a flat roof. Are you up there? All right. Are you praying? Get up and pray. Let's, Simon Peter's praying. And the Bible says when he's on top of the roof, he, he begins to pray, and, and he goes into a trance. He has this vision. When he does, it's like a four-cornered sheet that comes down. And on that, here comes these unclean beasts in there. And the voice out of heaven said, take and eat. And Simon Peter responded to the Lord. And he said, I can't put that which is common or unclean in my mouth because I'm a Jew. That's what he's saying. I've never put anything unclean. I've never put anything common. You know what he's talking about common? Like everybody else. I've never put anything unclean and, I, and I, I'm not going to do it. He said, don't you call that which is common or unclean which I have cleansed. When he said this, he said, men are about to knock on your door. Go with them. And when he comes out of the vision of the prayer on top of the mountain, I'm going to tell you why some of you aren't reaching people is because you're not praying. If you'll pray, God will lead you to people that he wants to put in your life. Oh, it's so quiet in here. You're making me nervous. I want you to look at somebody beside you and say, there's people that God wants us to reach. And so he gets up, uh, he gets up, puts himself together. He walks down from the roof, goes to the door of the house, opens the door of the house, and when he does, there's Gentiles standing before him. Let me put it this way. They're non-Jews. They're non-Jerusalem. These are non-Jewish people. And they said to him, the angel of the Lord has sent us to your house. And you know what he did? He did that night what a Jew would have never done. He let them stay there. And he gets up and goes with them to, um, um, he, he, he gets up and goes to Cornelius' house. And when he arrives there, he starts preaching the gospel. Everybody said there's power in the gospel. So he's sitting there in the house and the, there's a, a small number of people that is in Cornelius' house, his family. Everybody say non-Jews, Gentile people. And Simon Peter's in a strange house with strange people, with people that he's uncomfortable with or people that are not like him. And he's there. Jewish people would have had no dealings with the Gentiles in those days. But he's been commissioned by the Lord, Brother Zion. And listen to me, Brother Zion. God's going to put, God is putting people in your life because he's seen your time of the word. Hallelujah. They're, they're, don't, don't, don't try to picture what they're going to be like. You just follow the Lord and he's going to lead you to the people that he gave his life for. You believe that, Brother Zion? Stand and lift your hand and say, I want to be led of the Lord. The hand of the Lord is on your life, son. There's a power of God that is upon you. There's many, many souls beyond that you could ever imagine. Don't put a number on it. Don't put a limit on it. And don't try to figure out what they're going to look like. Just believe that he died for every single body and God loves everybody. How many believe that today? Oh, I feel like preaching on a Sunday morning to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Somebody shout, get ready. What God's about to do is unprecedented. What God is about to do is, is, is really unimaginable. It's, it's beyond that. You're gonna have to see what the Lord is seeing. Hallelujah, I can see even here today, there's gonna be revival in the streets of this city. It's gonna be bigger than this building can hold, but it's not gonna happen in this building. It's just gonna come out of this building. It's gonna happen on the street corner. It's gonna happen in your family. It's gonna happen in the jail houses. It's gonna happen in the juvenile. It's gonna, ha- it's gonna happen in juvenile homes. If you believe it, shut him in. Oh, he goes down and he goes to their house. They don't look like him. They don't talk like him. They don't think like him. They're strange to him, but he goes with them. He knows there's been an angel sent and God's making making connection. You know what I've learned about soul winning? It is typically uncomfortable, but it's right. And he goes to their house and he starts preaching to them the word of the Lord. He starts preaching about Calvary, starts talking about Jesus Christ. And there's this powerful verse that says, uh, look what it says in chapter 10, verse 43. It says, to him gave all the prophets witness, speaking of Jesus, talking about Isaiah and, and, and the book of Psalms and Moses and all the way down the line, says, gave the, uh, to him, speaking of Jesus, gave the prophets that through his name, what's his name? Oh, that was a weak response. What's his name? It says that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Everybody say through his name. And what happened? He starts preaching this apostle's message about the power of the name of Jesus. What happened at Calvary can happen now. What he died for can unfold in your life now. Can I tell you, it is still a truth today that Calvary is still powerful. When you preach the cross, when you preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, how many know it brings hope to every one of us? You don't have to die in your sin. You don't have to die in your situation. He can bring you out. He can set you free. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. I'm stirred to my core this morning because when you look at what happens in the word of the Lord, you'll find that while Peter yet spake these words, what happened? Throw it up here. While Peter yet spake these words, what, what happened in the room? The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. You might be here today and you say, what is that I feel? I feel emotional, I feel like crying, I feel the warmness in my, I feel goosebumps in my, that is the presence of God. The Lord will always show up and witness his word. Do you believe that? When the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And it says, verse 45, look, let's look what it says. And they of the circumcision, everybody say Jews, which believe were astonished. Why? Because as many as came with Peter, those that came with Peter, he brought some, he must have been nervous and brought some of his buddies with him going to this Gentile place. It says they were astonished. They were in awe. Look what happened when the Holy Ghost fell. Why were they astonished? Not because of the power of God. They were used to that. They were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do they know the Holy Ghost was poured out? Not just because they felt it, but look what happens in verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They later talked about this moment in chapter 11, and it says, um, verse 15, Acts 11 and 15, look what it says. They're later telling what happened to this moment uh, to some Jewish people, and they said, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. What was the beginning? Everybody say Jerusalem. It was to begin at Jerusalem. It wasn't to stop or stay at Jerusalem. And when they were there, go back to Acts chapter 10 and verse 46. Why were they astonished? They were astonished that God would do in Gentile people what he did in Jewish people. He taught it. He exampled it, Jesus did, and they're still amazed that the lower humanity could receive what they did as Jewish people. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians, and if you'll read Ephesians chapter two, you'll find that he uses the word we and us often. Why? He's trying to convince 
Gentile nation, a Gentile people, that you are a part of the church as much as I'm a part of the church. Just because you're a Gentile doesn't mean you're not a part of the church. Amen. Just because you weren't born circumcised and you don't even know who your daddy was doesn't mean you're not a part of the church. He uses we. He said there is no longer a wall of partition between the Jew and the Greek and the bond and the free. He said those walls have been torn down. You that were strangers of the covenants of promise and, and, and aliens from the commonwealth of Israel have now been made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. I come to preach you. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done, what type of sin you committed. God has a place for you in the church. God has a place for you in his house. If you believe it, say amen. And so this is what happens. The, 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 the Gentiles receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, and look at verse 47. And then he finishes. He said, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? What he was saying is they got the Holy Ghost just like we did on the day of Pentecost. They started speaking in a heavenly language. I'm so glad I have. It's real. I started, God gave it to me when I was eight years old. I'm 44 as of yesterday. And there's nothing like it in the world to have the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, say amen. Watch this, verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized. How? In the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. They said, oh, we want you to stay. We've never experienced anything like that. They felt love of God and accepted by Jewish people. But it took a vision. It took, uh, it took God coming down and said, don't you call that common or unclean which I've cleansed. It took a shaking moment for Simon Peter, who was one of the closest disciples, to believe that people not like him could be saved. Culture, culture can decrease faith. How you were raised can cause you to have a lens that is not like the lens of God. And I say to you today that there is a reason because in chapter 11 when, he, when, when the Bible says that Simon Peter went and he began to tell them about the, to the Jews and how God had filled Gentiles with the Holy Ghost, something began to happen. It says they scattered and they went out and started preaching. And it says, and the hand of the Lord was with them. With who? Those that were preaching the gospel to the Grecians. All of a sudden, it's not just Simon Peter now. The church is now preaching to non-Jewish people. Word is spread. It's not, it's not just for Jews. Let me just word it this way. It's not just for apostolic Pentecostals. It's not just for people that have been raised in this. It's not just for church people. It's not just for the people that look holy and live holy and have their act together and are saved. I think sometimes it disgusts God that the only time we preach the gospel are people that have already heard it a thousand times. I think it troubles God that the only people hearing it is people that's already got it. And I'm, what I'm preaching to you today is something I, I hope you can embrace today. Because when I say I love the church, I love the church building. I do. I love to come here and walk the hallways and pray that God will preserve, prosper, and, and protect the congregation. I walk the perimeter of the property. I thank God for it. I thank God for the cushioned seats and the AC and the heat and the roof that doesn't leak. I thank God for it. I thank God for the building. I love the building. I love to come in on Sunday mornings and stand there and hear all the people greeting one another. I, I'll stop the last minister and say, did you hear that? Yeah. I said, that's people out there. That's souls. That's people that gave their life for. I love each and every one of you. No matter your size, no matter your skin, no matter your age, no matter how you, you might talk like a country guy or talk proper, butcher your English, it doesn't matter. Speak another language, it doesn't matter. I love you because you are the church of Jesus Christ. I thank God for our seniors. I thank God for the seniors in the church. Amen. I thank God for the children in the church. I thank God for the people in the church. I thank God. I rejoice in all of your, 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 your promotions and your blessings and your births and walk with you in your sickness and your death and your crisis. There's nothing I like, nothing more than to be with the people of God. What I'm preaching to you, you need to fall in love with the church. You need to fall in love with worshiping with the people of God. Amen. How many love the church? Amen. Today. Not just a preacher, not just a ministry, not just an evangelist and apostle, but fall in love with the people of God. Everybody shout, I love the church. 
You got to love it. You got to fall in love with it. You got to love it so much because he gave it to himself. He, he, he died for the congregation. He died for every sinner to become a saint. I'm preaching to you. This cannot just be about me going and fulfilling a box of religiosity and going home and well, I did my church thing. Oh no, I can't wait to see the people of God. That's who we're going to spend eternity with. Somebody shout, I love the church. If we're not careful though, we will only fall in love with people that are like us. We'll fall in people that look like us, talk like us, act like us, and believe like us. But God, God didn't let them be called Christians in Jerusalem. You know why? Because in Jerusalem, they just preached to people that look like them, act like them, and talk like them. But when Simon Peter went and preached to a, a Gentile and the whole house got the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name, they come out of there and they started preaching to the Grecians. Everybody say to the Greeks. They started preaching to non-Jews. Aren't you glad they did? It says the word, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. But verse 20, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. This is not just to church people. There's gotta be people that have never heard it that get the opportunity to hear it. Verse 21 says, and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? Look what it says in verse 26. And when he had found him, speaking of Saul, he brought him unto Antioch and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called what? Christians first and Antioch. You know why? Because Antioch was a melting pot of ethnicities. It was the melting pot of just, just not Jews there, but it was Jews and Greeks and bond and free. People of different languages and backgrounds have the opportunity. It is not the will of God to have a white church or a black church or a Hispanic church or a Russian church. Or, uh, it is not the will of God. It is the will of God that the church represent every ethnicity in the community every ethnicity around. That's what the church is. The church ought to have everybody represented. My children are sixth generation apostolic people. My children are. We ought to have sixth generation in the church, but we also ought to have first generation in the church. We ought to have people, amen, that are holy, but in the church there ought to be people that are unholy. We should have the godly and the ungodly, the righteous and the unrighteous, the saved and the sinner. If everybody in the church is saved, I doubt that the church is saved because Christians always reach for non-Christians. Christians try to reach for people that are hurting. Christians try to reach for people I'm preaching today. It is not the will of God just to be saved. You gotta reach for somebody that's not saved. Oh, stand to your feet and clap your hands and say, I wanna be a vessel that God can work through. Oh, shout hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, you can love the whole, but can you love the broken? You can love the Jew, but can you love the non-Jew? You can love the Christian, but can you love the person that, that, that comes in with a little dope in their blood, alcohol in their breath, marks on their body, things in their past, character issues. You want a revival? It's not gonna be what you picture. It's not gonna be the way you, you picture a room full of people that look just like you. That's not revival. That's Jerusalem revival. That's not Christian revival. Christian revival has diversity. Christian revival has breakthrough. Christian revival has people. Jesus taught it, be seated. Jesus taught it this way. I can't help but be passionate. Something's gotta get a hold of us. There are 330 million people in America. There's 80,000 people in this community and we might have on a Sunday 500 at times, 400 and some. And the numbers are down with sickness around right now. But what I'm telling you, we're not reaching people like we should be reaching people because we become content as long as we have people around us that are like us. 
You can love me as your preacher, but can you love me if I backslid and came back to this church 10 years from now? If I slipped away as a man of God, got discouraged and beat down and threw in the towel, walked away from God, ruined my life, was broken and tattered, and I came back to this church, would you let me in? Would you love me enough to believe that his blood was thick enough to cover the sins of a preacher, the sins of a broken man? You can love the young people when they're shouting. You can love the young people when they're holy. But can you love them when they slip up, end up on the back row, discouraged, broken down and beaten down from their own mistake? Can you love them then? Or do they have to look like you to have a conversation with you? Jesus taught it. He taught it adamantly. He did more time explaining who he was hanging out with than he did just about anything else. He hung out with sinners. Finally, they questioned him, questioned him, questioned him. He finally said, those that are well do not, don't need a physician. It's those that are sick. It's not the righteous that need the cross. It's the sinner that needs the cross. I'm going to help y'all. Y'all ready? So, pastor, when I'm doing well and I come to church, you don't have to feed me. Just preach to the sinner and I'll get behind you because we want sinners to hear the message. I have, I, have be, I have been in moments used by the Lord so mightily that I only reach one person in the building. Not everybody, but was used so mightily by God that the Lord took enough time to reach one person that showed up. House full of people, but the message was diverted to one because he'll leave the 99 for one lost sheep. You want a revival? They're not going to look like you. They're not going to have it together. They're going to be in debt. They're going to be distressed, discontented, rejected, and broken. Be seated for a moment. I know this church. I, I tell Sawyer, I said, man, these, these people love you because you're Saw. They love you for Sawyer. They'd love you if your last name wasn't Bounds. How many know that's true? How many love Sawyer for Sawyer? He's a good young man. He's a good young man. Pleased and blessed to have such a great quality person in my home. I get to call my son. They love you, bub. You, you dress nice. You have more hair than I do. <laughs> they love you. Because in reality, is you got it together. You're doing good. Treat people good. You're respectful. And... Uh, Take care of yourself and you honor your mom and dad. Truth of the matter is, they love you because you're one of us. One of us. I'm not talking about bounds, I'm talking about the church family. They watched you grow up over there. While I'm preaching, you're just looking behind at the saints, just trying to figure them all out. You're just a little, little baby. You're looking at them. Y'all can love him this way. Can you love him this way? You can love him when he's put together. But can you love him when the devil's rolling him around the mud because of his own bad mistakes, decisions, and choices? You can love him when he looks like a preacher. Because the revival that's coming is going to be a suit, tie, long dress wearing revival. The revival that's coming is not going to be a church outfit revival. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The revival that's coming are going to be people that come in from divorce and brokenness and abuse and backgrounds and addictions and regrets and dope and issues. You've got to ask yourself a question. Was the blood thick enough to save Christians or was it thick enough to save everybody, everybody, everybody? I come to tell you they're coming from every street corner. The revival is going to be a Christian revival that's going to reach everybody. Come here, Zion Gators. You got your act together. There's old wounds that God's healed in your life. There's going to be a moment you've got to pull yourself back together and realize it's just 
past. Brother Guy, Zion Gators, God give you a Barnabas spirit. And play so they don't think I'm finishing. Amen. Barnabas comes in. Where's Saul at? I got to go get Saul. When I get Saul this time, because at Jerusalem, they're scared of Saul. He's a preacher killer. He kills preachers. He imprisons believers. But it was a spirit of Barnabas that comes in, says, I got to find Saul so I can take him to Antioch. Why Antioch? Because Antioch is a place where they accept people that are not like them. Y'all hear me? There's preachers' kids that are in this community. I feel it in the Lord. That are wounded and broken. And they just want to. There's preachers, there's missionaries that God is sending to this community. Here's, I'm going to commission you. I want this church. Everybody stand to your feet. It's a prodigal revival. Everybody say it's a Christian revival. You know what that means? It preaches and receives people that are not like them. I mean, no, it's true. I've preached with fire and fervor and a burden and passion. I've cried, I've shouted, I've jumped because I'm stirred. I know what he wants to do. Some of the greatest moves of God I've had is outside of this building in a Crooksville town in a pulpit on a Sunday because I took it out of here and went to another town. Some of the greatest moves of God have been with some of the most amazing people that orange suits on at a county jail. Somehow, I was able to look beyond the tatterness of the garment and in their future see something better than where they were. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but hope maketh alive. People sent me text messages yesterday that made me cry. Speaking life into me. Speaking hope into me. Made me feel so good. I sat and wept as I got messages from people. Thanking God for the church. I've been crying all week long over this beautiful body of people that gather here week after week, faithful. But I also love the people that aren't here yet. They're going to come in in all different sizes. How many believe that? When they walk in, you can't see them for where they are. You got to see them for where they'll be. The Bible says he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. I, 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 what I'm saying is, you got to love people that are not like you. Get out of your comfortable family circle and pull somebody in your life that's not like you. Because that's what a disciple does. That's what a Christian does. We're not careful. We'll get a click and see, see the same people every Sunday. I saw one great revival break out one time because I had people move out of their seat and go to another one. I didn't even preach that night. We baptized so many people because the church got out of their circle. So many people. People that have been in that church for years that have never repented, repented. Because the church had got comfortable in their seat with their people in their circle. But if you ever learn to step out of what's like you and see like God sees, you never felt such joy as reaching people that are not like you. I'm proud of you, Sawyer. Believe in you. Hand the Lord's on your life. That's why he speaks to you. What I'm saying is we can love you like this, but can we love you broken? I want you to hear me right now. I pastor wounded people. I pastor wounded people. God has entrusted me with wounded people. They look together on the outside. Some of you that I pastor for a while still have tears and 
Everybody else sees the person put together, but when you look in the mirror, you look and sleeves are torn and dirty. Been through things and sicknesses and chaos and brokenness and family dynamics and dysfunction. You know what I am? I'm an encourager to you that God has something in your life. Because I pastor. You know I'm talking to you now. Talking to most people in this building that came here. Torn, tattered, broken life. But if you'll trust God in your life, what was torn and dirty, He's going to fix and repair. And He's going to make something powerful out of your life. Do you believe that? Because they were Christians at Antioch. So the prophets showed up in Jerusalem. Prophets came from Jerusalem under and after after they started reaching the prophets showed up. Isn't it amazing that after you start reaching people that are not like you, prophets show up? I'm not trying to meddle. I just tell you what I feel. Prophets always show up when you reach people that are not like you. Everybody say a word from the Lord. If you don't reach people outside of you, the voice of the Lord is going to stop. Prophet showed up, talked about a dearth in the land, something's going to happen. The Bible says, verse 29, then the disciples. Everybody say, me. Everybody say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Said then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. When the prophet showed up and told him what was going to happen, the disciples here at Antioch, begin to sin and become a blessing. God's not just going to save you. He's going to utilize you for the benefit of others. You're not only going to be healed, you're going to become beneficial. You were broken, but now you're prosperous and going to do great things to minister to people that are in dry places. Do you believe that? I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I receive your word today. Hallelujah. Some of you need to be obedient. Fasting and prayer and reaching. Come on, call in the name of the Lord. I don't want my life to not amount to anything. You're in a dry place, but God wants to bring joy to your life. Everybody's seated. Everybody's seated. Brother Zion, Sawyer, where Sawyer go? Come here. I want you to go to the third seat back. I want you to sit there behind Sister Julie. Brother Zion, sit beside him. He's your guest at church today. People say all the time, I don't have a suit. I don't have this. Take your suit off. Your suit jacket off. This is what Christianity looks like. Throw that, throw that over there. This is Christianity. Disciple of Jesus Christ and his guest. Where at? The hospital. Called the church. Wounded, broken, dirty, past, ashamed. You see, you might have a suit on when you come as a guest, but deep down, that's what's going on with every sinner. I've never seen a sinner that wasn't broken. Are y'all getting what I'm preaching? So here's what I want you to do. The revival that's going to happen here, you've got to be, remain faithful as a disciple. Everybody say faithful. Church doors are open, I'm going to be there. Be faithful in your prayer, your daily devotion, because ministry is what you do in the overflow of your devotion. Number two, be faithful in your giving and your tithing. Be obedient to the, to the, law of, the laws of God. Be holy, be righteous, live a good life. Be prayerful, givers. Come in worshiping, not waiting on somebody else to worship. But you come in with your mind on the Lord. Are you ready? Bring somebody with you. Don't assume they don't want that. If I was in pain, I'd want healed. If I was broken, I'd want put, put together. What you'll find is, Brother Zion, when you stand, stand, Brother Zion. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. The guest stands. And they sort of do like this. And they're going to get what you have because you have what they need. 
And this is a portrait. This is a portrait of the church. Every disciple linked with somebody that needs disciple in God. For the I don't ever give up on me. Mr. Carol, I mean, Carolyn, don't ever give up on people. But true Christianity is when the person that has been saved is reaching for somebody that wants to be saved. And that is why they were called Christians at Antioch. What would happen if every broken person that got healed started reaching for people like them and start bringing them to church? I'm going to tell you, you can't, you can't contain it. For the revival that I see is going to happen in your homes. Broken people are going to come to your life. And God's going to use you mightily to reach one person at a time. Do you believe that? There's people in this room right now have been abused. Things that happened years and years ago, hard to ever get over. God's able to heal that. How many believe He's able to heal that? Stand to your feet and clap your hands and thank God. you lift your hands I want want you to ask God to help you right where you are Lord Jesus you have called us to do great things (laughs) oh Lord you anoint me to preach the gospel Set captivity captive. Open the blinded eyes. Set liberty them that are bruised. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.